God bless everyone. Welcome back to the Late Night Loopcast. We decided that it would be best to give our thoughts right after we watched the debate and the Tucker interview with Trump. Yes, I'm going to be doing some late night editing, but we thought it'd be worth just getting our very raw initial reactions to what we just witnessed here. Uh, if you appreciated some of the work, I'd appreciate it if you send us a review. We've gotten quite a few. Apple Podcasts, Spotify especially helped me out. But Josh, me and you saw the same thing. Erica is sleeping. It's a little past the bedtime, but... <laughs> Uh, Josh and I decided to stay up and we want to get to our thoughts. So Josh, initial reactions on the night. Well, you know, the thing is, I actually had the, opp uh, the opportunity to go to this debate and I, I was like, should I jump on the plane and go see it? I had a free ticket to go and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't go. What a waste of time. The big winner of the night is Donald Trump by not participating in this clown show. I absolutely hate this. I I'm so sick of this format. I hate it. And they have like things like, First of all, the questions that Fox News is asking. So Fox News is the loser of the night. And Fox News is like, raise your hand if you think Donald Trump, you know, or, or Vice President well, Mike Pence did the right thing on January 6th. And raise your hand if you think we should cut funding to Ukraine. And raise your hand if, like, and, I, and finally DeSantis pushes back. He's like, we're not school children. Stop treating us like this. It's stupid. And then it's like <laughs> lightning round. You have yeah. 30 seconds to answer. I hate all that. I hate it. And I think I'm, I speak for a lot of other Republican voters. Like, this is a terrible way to elect a president. I think it comes from the, the mainstream media news era where you, you would watch political coverage through um, television. You know, television was your filter. That was the only way you could really uh, elect candidates to national office, you know, from the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, and, and into the first part of the 21st century. But it's, it, we got the internet now. We don't have to do this. This is stupid. Right. And kudos actually to Donald Trump for saying, I'm not going to play with this. I don't, I don't want to do this. He goes right to Tucker and he does this long interview on Twitter, which is now called X. And actually, you know what? I, I didn't get anything out of this, much out of this debate. I, um, some people saying, oh, what'd you think about like Vivek, Ramaswamy? You know what? Actually, I learned more about him by watching him on a long Length, yeah, no, well, he was on he did Jordan Peterson. So Jordan Peterson interviewed Vivek Ramaswamy and had a long interview. And they even talked about this. Like, we're, you know, with the internet now, we can do these long form interviews that are hour long, two hours long, whatever. And you don't get, you know, and you can have longer and fuller answers. And it's so much better for the audience. People actually, you know, respond like, hey, I, I like what you're saying. And, and it, you know, what happens with the internet, then you get a clip like of three or four or five minutes that people share with people. Hey, do you see what this guy said to Jordan Peterson? It's a five-minute clip. It, it, it's a little bit more nourishing. What happens with these debates is that, you know, you have two minutes to answer the question. And so, you, have, you know, the candidates have their team of advisors. And say, oh, yeah, this will be a good singer. We can get on TV. And they come up with this, you know, and they come out sounding robotic. They've got to get their zinger in, like, you know, and one comment. Super robotic. Yeah, somebody was like, you know, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy said, you know, Chris Christie, you sound like Jet GPT. Or the other guy said it the other way. I or no, it was, it was the, the other, other way around. around. I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's so forgettable. Like, it's like so dumb. These canned answers, you know, got to get my 30-second soundbite. And so I just feel like, you know, um, it's so much better to just skip it. I mean, it's just not worth it. 
like as well, especially with a guy like Tucker, who we've kind of talked about on this show, he has a real talent for finding pain points and making it hurt. Because even if you go back to what he did in Iowa, when he basically made Mike Pence self-destruct, like he identified, okay, here's a weakness, or maybe this is setting off my BS meter, and I'm gonna go deeper into that. And so, so the the Vivek, Vivek, gosh, we're really gonna need need to get that down here. Vivek interview on Tucker was the one that I came across. I know that you watched the Jordan Peterson yeah. one, but I actually was. Like um, this to me, it seems like we need to move forward. This is the rest of society is going this way. Yeah, if you can't handle yourself on an hour long podcast, you should not be in office. Well, and you, it's you like don't have the the acumen. This idea that we're going to be in office, in we're going to spend ninety minutes or whatever it was to cover a debate with eight candidates. It's like it's ridiculous. And first of all, these candidates. I mean, I guess Mike Pence was a former vice president, so I guess it's kind of serious. But like he felt like he was running for president in two thousand four, not two thousand twenty four. You know, and Nikki Haley was screaming and lecturing at people, and it's like, oh, the girl boss stuff yeah, was I, so I, annoying. I, it's like, oh, give me a break. You know, and so, and like Asa Hutchinson, I'm like, you're like a one percent in the polls, and you're governor of Walmart. Who cares? You just get over it. You know, you're not going to be the nominee. So, and and the guy from North Dakota, I can never remember his name, Doug, Doug Bugrum or whatever. Doug, he looks like a hockey. So coach. you know, it would be really interesting. Well, I think it would be kind of great if one of, if these, like the next candidate that comes out and says, I'm not doing the. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to the the Reagan debate, you know, the Fox News debate or the Reagan library. Forget it. It's not worth my time. And so what, that's what I think like someone like Vivek should do is say, hey, why don't you and you should turn to Ron DeSantis. Why don't the two of us just debate each other for an hour and just do it? Yeah. Just go, let's go right on Twitter, you know, and just have a debate and go back and forth and not like, you know, 30 second food. F- I mean, this is a food fight. It's just, it's hard yeah. to discern anything. And the only candidate that in the in the last twenty years that had any kind of a breakthrough moment was Donald Trump because you know he was he's the king of you know slinging stuff. He knows how to get his sound bites in. The only other time I could think about uh, a primary debate where it was actually kind of effective was when Newt Gingrich just screamed at John King of CNN back in twenty twelve and just saying, "What a stupid question! This is what people hate you," and the audience went nuts. You know. Yeah, and well, speaking of stupid questions, it did kind of feel like Fox News oddly had it out for these candidates, like asking a ton of questions about January 6th, and a ton Ukraine. of questions about Ukraine. Yeah. And it's like, why not ask about immigration? They finally got the immigration to the end. Like, yeah. It, I mean, it's like, you know, let's talk about the issues that actually, you know, Republican primary voters care about, you know? Like, right. It's like, but it's obvious like, yeah, well, that they okay, wanted the news headlines. Goes... See, Fox News wants the, the headlines, right? So they're like, they want to get... Don, uh, Ron DeSantis to have to say one way or another, did Mike Pence do the right thing or wrong thing? You know, so that because they know then if Ron DeSantis says, yeah, Mike Pence did the right thing, that was what the Constitution says he should do, then Trump would attack him. And it's just, it's a food fight stuff instead of being more of a substantive argument. I thought Ron said, I have no beef with Pence, but we really need to focus on the future, the next election, Jan- you know, who's going to be president January 2025. I thought that was a, a great way to get beyond this. But I think. The candidates just got to say enough of this. We're done with this Fox News stuff. And it's nothing against them per se. Like, I, it, it, look, I think it would be more meaningful if Fox News said, we're not going to do a debate. We're going to have the candidates on for an hour and just have, you know, let's say, and just pick your host. You can be on with Hannity or you can be on with Laura Ingram. And then you bring on all these candidates. I mean, I'd much rather 
I, listen to them for an hour long on the. But on, they have done that, Josh. Like they they do. Brett Baer did that with Trump. They've done it with DeSantis. It still doesn't feel the same to me. Like there, there's a really different feeling to Tucker's interviews on Twitter. It just feels different. There, I, I don't. Well, Tucker, when he I, brought I, on I, candidates I, like you know DeSantis and others, I I I liked watching Tucker because he was great at asking questions. I don't think Sean, I don't think Sean Hannity's people good. actually want. I don't think Sean no, Hannity's oh, good. I, yeah. Right, and neither is Brett Baer. So, like, I I think there actually is something well, inherent to Fox. Brett, like, they, okay, they are so, getting handed questions. I don't think yeah. resonate with me. At least me. Okay, Josh, if I want to speak for people my age, let's look at the numbers here. I was the Rumble stream for the debate was at about two hundred fifty thousand people to three hundred thousand people, and the interview with Trump that was put on at the same time I think is at eighty two million that right is now. Cruising. I mean, we're we're talking about not even the same ballpark. Yeah, and, and that's just a reality for people my age. They're not going to Fox News to go get this. They're going to see it on Twitter. They're going to see it clipped up elsewhere. Okay, so even, here's like, the thing. Said, good clips. Actually, though, that's what I, I guess I'd like to say. Like, you know, Fox News is still playing the conventional television presidential campaign stuff, and the candidates are still playing along with that. So why is Ron DeSantis going to Iowa and flipping pancakes and going to the Iowa State Fair? I mean, not that you shouldn't. I mean, go ahead, go. But why isn't he engaging in online Twitter fights with the media? Why isn't he, you know, and why is it, he's practically silent? I mean, like they've got an official campaign social media that's kind of well, boring. You, you know, what's interesting about that is uh, Christina Peshaw, who was a major reason for his success in Florida. And then I think Jeremy Redfin, they're, they're both a part of the communications. Seems like they kind of got a muzzle put on them not long ago. And they've kind of been let off the leash a little bit again after they did their little reorganization. But she was a major reason why DeSantis gained a ton of legitimacy on social media platforms like Twitter. Like she is is a bulldog. She doesn't hold yeah, back. Yeah, I just I just feel like, like DeSantis has been a very risk averse, kind of timid. Uh, he says talking points like in the debate. He had a few good cuts where he'd say something really good, and I'm like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Go. But it just I don't feel like the energy's there. I just feel like he's thinking like, what what what's going wrong? Why are why ain't he's probably thinking to himself, why am I not connecting with the audience? I mean, he did get some applause lines, you know, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like yeah. they're still kind of flat. Like, I mean, who's the audience is, of course, going to cheer that you got rid of, you know, uh, critical race theory in Florida. I mean, good. Yeah. But it's still kind of like things they're they're kind of things he's already said, as opposed to like, it just feels like, flat no, pop. you know, he's swashbuckling. Gotta, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no swashbuckling. Like, and I think that's why um, there's no sense of adventure. Like, hey, here's what I'm going to do on the federal level. Let's go. So, so let's organize this then as, you know, we've watched both of these events. Now let's, let's, if you know, our frustrations with the format, of course, I think are legitimate, but now we're talking about performance of the candidates. And I mean, there's, I think Brian said this, or the president, he's like, five of these people are like people in the traveling circus, right? They, they've been around since the 2004. They all say the same things. You know, this would be like Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike um, Pence, Chris Christie, Mike Asa Pence. Hutchinson. Yeah. Asa for sure, yeah. They're, they're running campaigns um, so that I think 20 the, years old. Right, so I think the main, and this is an interesting question, I've seen a lot of different theories on this. So Vivek Ramaswamy was very compelling. Whether or not people hated him for being annoying and being a little bit in people's space, uh, Mike Pence seemed to hate him. Every time he spoke up, he tried, took a, tried to take a dig at him. Um, he seems to have really nailed down um, the conservative evangelical talking points better than I think the conservative evangelical candidates on the stage. Yeah, really which can. is interesting. And he also has, which is interesting, but he also has this kind of like free flowing, swashbuckling kind of attitude that I mean reminds me a little bit of Trump. Of course, I think you know what it is. He's got nothing to so, lose. Like I mean, he's 
Right. You know, like that's the thing is like Ron DeSantis is thinking to himself, I got it. I got, I got to figure out, how, you know, I got to, you know, get the playbook. I got to figure this out. Kind of, you know. but that's that's an error. He, he does have he doesn't have anything to lose, right? Because if he continues at this course, he's not going to win. He's not going to come close. Well, I mean, that's the thing. So like, really Ryan is like, this is my chance to shine. Because there's this theory, like for candidates, like you don't want to squash your opportunity. Okay, so like Chris Christie was also on that stage, right? A former governor of New Jersey. I mean, also running a campaign. Like it feels like it's the year 2012 or something like that. And, you know, Chris Christie ultimately decided to, you know, run for president in 2016. And he, you know, in the political business, we called it murder-suicide, where he just, he just went after Marco <laughs> Rubio, torched his campaign. But, you know, Chris Christie wasn't going to be the guy. It was just like he assassinated another guy's campaign. But the thing is, Chris Christie is the ultimate example that if he had actually run for president in 2012 instead of 2016... He might have actually won the nomination because, you know, there was a lot of people are fed up with Obama and like, how can we beat this guy? And here's a guy in a blue state and people, conservatives, Republicans love Chris Christie in 2011 and 2012. And so, but Chris Christie just decided, eh, I'll wait. You know, well, you know what? You wait and it's too late. And now someone else comes along and it was Trump in 2016 and that was his time. And so there's that, you know, you get punished for... If you're like, well, I'll just wait till it's the perfect time and then it's never the right time. It's sort of like starting, you know, people who's like, oh, I'll start a family when I want to start a family. family. And then, you know, <laughs> you never do, you yeah. know. Or, um, so, uh, you know, like uh, Barack Obama was actually smart about that. Like, because people are like, you should, no, you should wait. Hillary's going to be the nominee. Right. Wait. He you should wait. Time. He's like, no, you know, you got to strike when the iron's hot and, and the moment's right. And so, for, so that's, Ron DeSantis understands this and his thinking is, I this I got to do this because if I wait now, because Trump's probably you know gonna run, I got to do it this time because by 2024 there'll be a new flavor of the month. There'll be a new because people are like oh yeah all that stuff you did back in 2022 that's ancient history. No one will care. So it's, DeSantis is smart by saying I got to run this time. I get this is my time to shine. I don't want to squander it, but I just feel like he's again. It's like well if I mimic. Trump and the way he just, I don't care. And you know, da, da, da. It, no, you still got to be your own man. You still got to be your own person. And you got to have that kind of, um, it's not reckless, but it's like, just have the confidence of saying, I got nothing to lose. Let's just go for it. Which Vivek yeah. Ramaswamy has. And, I, and, you know, some people think it's just because he's running like almost like he's a plant for Trump because he never really ever text Trump. Uh, so that's the, that's a little interesting conspiracy theory online. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do like the fact that yeah. Vivek, he just is able to communicate very effectively. Um, you know, he's given some answers. I'm like, we've shared some of his stuff on social media. We share when someone says something great, we don't, we're not taking sides here. We just like, this yeah. is great. Like he gave a good answer here. Just like you well, see, it makes you think. Yeah. And you've seen our stuff on Ron DeSantis. We shared his stuff. We shared Trump stuff and. If Mike Pence had a great answer on the debate on abortion, we, we did like that. So we, you know, we'll probably share right. that. Although I think Mike Pence has got no chance. Okay, so so we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, I want to get as well. So um, Tucker interviews Trump. First question, you know, why did you decide not to debate? He basically said, "I'm up 50 points. Uh, he's going to be in Georgia tomorrow." They 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 made a point to bring that up as well. He's going to be turning himself in. Uh, so clearly, uh, smart decision. Do you do if, is, do you have any like? Revisionist history, if Trump would have decided to go to the debate, how that would have gone down. Well, I mean, honestly, so we're recording this right in right after the debate. And by the time people are listening to this, it'll be, you know, it might be 
right as he's you know fly, landing in Georgia, or it might be after people have already seen the mug shot. Is you know Georgia's going to get a mug shot of uh, the former president? No one's going to million t-shirts. So like by a day, yeah, yeah. I mean, who's going to remember this debate? It's just going to be old <laughs> news. It's like the biggest thing in the news will be Trump being indicted, a former president. Are you kidding me? It's going to be wall to wall coverage. So yeah, no, Trump is absolutely the winner uh, of the debate because he's going to steal the show. He did it with the Tucker interview, and obviously turning himself over to Georgia um, to you know to get the mugshot. Well, he made some see, he made some interesting points in the interview too because they talked about all the indictments against him. Clearly, what seems to be political persecution, and I think he he asked him, "How do you remain so cheerful?" And I actually have seen and heard this from many people. He seems to be in great spirits, even though he's getting indicted basically every week. And he said he said the line. Uh, I, what keeps me cheerful is that people see through this. Basically, he's, right. he's, my poll numbers are going up, up with every indictment. People see this for what it is. It's political persecution. Um, I just thought that was such an interesting, well, good question from Tucker, of course. But um, will that care? My question then is: so, like, Republican voters see that, right? Is is there any push, like, pushover into independent voters? Like, do you think independent voters see it that way, or is it just more? He might, you know, the Republican side will get him past the primary, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, if you remember, one of the better things that happened in the 2016 campaign, uh, Trump against Hillary, is that during the debates, Hillary tried to get, you know, tried to do a little gotcha with Trump and said, "Hey, you know, I, you, know you make use of all these tax loopholes, and you do that to try to avoid paying taxes." And she thought, like, I got him. I got him on this. This is great. And Trump's like, yeah, you're darn right I do. <laughs> and so do all the people yeah, who finance your campaigns. Taxes. Like, who wants to pay? Right. And yeah, I use the system. And you know what? We could change the system, but I bet your donors wouldn't like it. And it was just like, whoa. <laughs> and so if he yeah. could say, look, you know, all these indictments, we all know what's going on. They're afraid of me. I'm the guy who got into office and I was for the people. I cut taxes. I, I made sure that energy was cheap. You know, and you should vote for me again. And so if if he can keep that kind of an attitude, like it's, you know, I'm against the elites, I'm for the people. And if, if he does that, I think he can win again. If he gets back into the sore loser stuff, Americans hate sore losers. They really do. So you can't just be litigating every last aspect of the last election and how it got stolen. Okay, so it got stolen. You know, what are you going to do about it this time? You know, the more you focus on that, the American people are like, I don't want to keep going over and over and over that, even if it was wrong, you know. So to the extent that you can focus on like, yeah, they're coming after me. And you know what? They want to go. They want to put you in jail, too. And, you know, kind of pivot that. I think independents could even say, yeah, I can see what's going on. Like, yeah, I mean, he did say that, too. Like, he's like, even if I don't get elected, the next person that gets elected, they're going to be going after the same way. Like these I, he he made interesting points. Yeah, about lawfare. How, um, use the law to, right, I guess, your opponents, right. But how most of the country sees this for what it is, there's just a few, most people are good, but there's a few people in D.C. that just basically hate him and are willing to do everything possible. I mean, Tucker was even saying, like, all right, they've tried to throw you in jail for life. Are you scared for your life, essentially? Um, I think he also asked whether or not he thought Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, which I was like, that's not going to be asked on a debate stage. At I mean, it's great. Yeah. There's just there's moments like that that were and like Trump was like, you yeah, know, not directly saying that his attorney general Bill Barr was wrong, but he wasn't exactly exonerating him either. It was just kind of like, eh. do you remember what he called him? A bushy. 
<laughs> I mean, he's, look. It's like no disrespect for the Bush family, but yeah, he's a well. Bushy. <laughs> uh, Trump still got the gas, man. No question. Well, I mean, Trump this is the thing. The like, honestly, okay, so like you and I care substantially about the issues. We want policy victories. We do. You know, that's what we care the most about. But honestly, well, what did you find more interesting, Tom? Did you find it more interesting to watch the debate with the eight presidential candidates? Or were you more interested in what Tucker said with Trump? Oh, I mean, I it was funny because I had both going at the same time, as I'm sure a lot of people did. And I was like, I'll just watch the Trump one during commercial breaks. And then I just got so bored. I think like maybe like halfway to three quarters through the debate that I was like, all right, I'm just going to finish out the Trump one first before I go back to this. Because I was just, it was just so in the weeds. Yeah. And so, well, like you said, like you can get a lot more out of a one-on-one interview with good questions, it feels more authentic. Well, like and that, again, that's what I consume. You know, maybe if these debates, if we get to like the second or third one and we start getting to like four candidates instead of eight, and if it's, you know, w- wouldn't it be nice if the moderator was sort of hands off and just basically said, hey, you know, get up there and talk for five, 10 minutes and, and say your piece instead of like a 30 second li- lightning round or eh, your buzzer's up. You know, like, yeah. you know, Lincoln. Oh, and they all talk over it, too. So it's like, yeah, that doesn't even really mean much. And it's just total chaos. But you know what? That, that kind of brings in mind, too. Like, uh, what's becoming really popular now, um, <laughs> like, stuff like the Whatever podcast, where they, they just bring on people, two people to debate, or it reminds me like, Trent Horn v. Destiny on abortion. And that was, like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was, like, three and a half hours, four hours. And I think I watched the whole thing. I mean, I watched it on 2x speed. But the depth that they could get into... And, uh, the, they ended up being pretty cordial, respectful, but it definitely got heated at times. Like I was just, I was totally engrossed in that and, and compare that to how I felt watching this debate. I was just so bored. It would be really interesting to see, would someone fold under pressure if they had to do a one V one, like you said about DeSantis and Ramswamy and, and they brought up the pro-life issue and they're like, legislatively speaking, how would you get this done? Because, you know, what happened today with the pro-life issue was, they brought up some people have done the six-week ban. Talk about Roe v. Wade. 15-week national ban. Kind of, yeah, federal thing. Mike Pence said the 15, but like everyone basically tried to dodge it. And even even I, I honestly felt like Ron DeSantis kind of gave a dodge answer on it. He wouldn't commit to anything. And I mean, probably because it's smart too politically, but it just, if it would be really hard to dodge, dodge that on a podcast is all I'm saying. Like it's just easy to dodge what you want to dodge and, and talk with your talking points, but you can't really hide from. I mean, I, I would, you know, if you want to dodge it a little bit better, you should have said, I'll, as president, I'll sign whatever pro-life legislation comes to my desk. I'll whoop. There you go. And then Fox would say, well, you mean the six-week ban? Right. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like why do these, it, it does feel really hostile and- well, I, I just don't, don't like the gotcha it. questions. It's like, I mean, what the heck? You know, that's why, I mean, Fox News, you know, I, it just drives me crazy. It's like they're going for the headlines rather than this actual conversation of how you would govern, you know? When you get these like, okay, now we're going to talk about, you know, energy policy for two minutes, which, you know, prices of gas is, is, is a ton. And I uh, like, you know, Vivek got in there. We got to build, frack, drill oil, and embrace it's nuclear. Like climate change is a hoax. Okay, so this front, did you notice this? Okay, so this drives me a little crazy. Fox News gets a conservative college student, right? This to was ask a, a question, very bizarre. And the yeah. kid goes on a question about climate change. Like, really? Climate change? Yeah. It was, that was bizarre, yeah. 
I, and I, if I was working for that conservative group, I won't say their name, I would have been totally embarrassed. Like, really? <laughs> You're going to bring up climate change? I think it was Young Americans for Freedom, correct? The, yeah, well, the only time that <laughs> anyone really got really righteously angry, though, was when Nikki Haley said, how dare you not respect Israel and make it more important than your own country? Basically, is what she's getting at. Like, give me a break, oh, Josh. You're gonna go in on your girl there. She's just. I mean, drives me nuts. Yeah, seriously. That was the only time anyone and and uh, I mean, Tim Scott talk about falling asleep. I know he said he was a Southern boy and he talks slow, but man, you just I I come. Well, to you this listed everything at two times speed, so I, I talked. And about, it was still slow. Yeah, I know. So I I don't know what to say about Tim, but. So the, the pro-life issue was addressed and, and basically people kind of- I'll give credit to where credit to Mike Pence gave a better answer on that than anyone else. It's because he's <laughs> been thinking about giving you know, pro-life answers for 30 years and he is right and good on this. So I give him credit yeah. for that. Um, the fact is there's 60% of the Republican Party would walk on shards of broken glass before they'd ever vote for the guy. So it's a non-starter. Yeah. I mean, his yeah, campaign and then, that is- uh, th- the other one, the other main thing that came up is, I mean, Vivek was obviously a great speaker, but a lot of people uh, took took issue with the fact that he hadn't really voted uh, before the previous two elections. Yeah, and man, what did he, he believe some of his years ago? Flip flop. Yeah, yeah. And, and and one thing that is kind of bizarre, I mean, especially from a Catholic perspective, I know his family's Hindu. He says he's leans into his Hindu heritage, and uh, he went to a Catholic school though, graduated from Catholic high school. Um, he talks about, but his talking points are are almost like too good evangelical, like better than the evangelicals can even say it. So I'm like, who's like, I like what you're saying, but what, what why should I believe that you're going to do any of these things? Like, I, I think the, the, a lot of the theories about him being a Trump plant could actually be very legitimate. I don't know. That's just, well, and actually, I, you know, like, yeah, Catherine Hadro, uh, used to work for EWTN. She thought that. Maybe Catholics would get offended by uh, Vivek because he made the comment that some of these candidates are going to fly to the Ukraine to their Pope, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Zelensky yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, ah, I'm not really offended. I mean, it's he's not he's not attacking Catholics. He's mocking people who think this leader of the Ukraine is the most important world leader in the world. And uh, so I, I I'm giving him a pass on that. Um, you know, there's some there are some Christians who will not vote for a a non-Christian candidate. In fact, there's some Christians who just couldn't vote for Mitt Romney because he's Mormon. Um, I don't know if that is going to be that much of a factor because honestly, I I don't even see that playing out unless there's that moment, let's say in you know no, November or December, where let's say he takes off and he starts climbing and then he's got a legitimate chance. Uh, then then everything in the kitchen sink will be thrown out at him and that'll be litigated. And I'm not sure that Republican voters, you know, um, are going to disqualify him for it. Um, You know, it's always one of those things where it's like, obviously I I want people to be holy. I want people to be pious and I'd like them to be believers in Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, yeah, I want that for everyone. You can imagine a scenario where someone professes to be a believer of Jesus and he does horrible policies. George W. Bush, Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden. You know, Joe they, Biden, they claim yeah. the Christian faith, and yet they totally go against it. Now, obviously, it's because I think they're serving other masters. I think Joe Biden, you know, I mean, he was just talking about, like, getting 
well, restoring abortion. I was going to say, I was going to say not to go Twilight Zone too early. I believe we have a graphic of Joe Biden. They did the meme where they turned the eyes red. It says, get real, Jack. I'm bringing Roe back. Man. It's, it's, yeah. It's tough. We get, we get people. <laughs> where do we even start? People get I mean, mad at us anytime we share anything because they're like so angry at Biden. Like, I don't even want to see his picture. It's like, dude, we're going to call these guys out even if it gives you heartburn. Okay. We got to, yeah. we got to stay true and hold these people to account, you know, and Joe Biden. I mean, and by the way, here's the thing. So you, my little Twilight Zone that thing would be, I think, or whether you call it Twilight Zone or just like, you know, the pop-off question of the week thing or whatever, this art, this thing that people talk, you know, they pop off about is, oh yeah, it's not going to be Biden. He's not going to run again. They're going to replace him. Why do people think that? I don't understand this. Um, oh, because he's going to be 82 years old on inauguration day. I know that. Okay. But why, why would Democrats replace Joe Biden? So long as the American people in the polling show he's competitive, they're going to keep him. So far, he's the yeah. only guy who's beaten uh, Donald Trump. So why would they get rid of him? Yeah. You know? And the other thing, people oh, yeah, he's just too old. He's stumbling. He's embarrassed. And da, da, da. Well, I mean, he did that all in 2020, and they kept him in the basement, and it was fine. Right, like they were fine electing him when he was seventy-eight, and he was still doing all the gaffes. So, and why, and it's not even—he's not even president. You know, I mean, technically, yes, of course, he is, but he's not doing anything. He's just—they just walk him out, you know, like on a two-wheeler, and he gives his talk, and then they wheel him back out. The f- and the Maui—the Maui stuff's been really hard to watch. Yeah, no, it has. Like that, that's I where mean, you'd hope that, right? That maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe it'll make a dent. We'll see. But see, the thing is, the American people are the ones who decide this. And, and and especially nominating, you know, for their party, it's the activists in that party. So do the Democratic voters care enough to replace him? We'll see. I'm not so sure. I think he's the nominee, in other words. For the, I think the Democrats will nominate him again. Yeah. And I, how do you see uh, the race now shaping up after these two events for the Republican Party? Do you think we're going to like a really thinner herd really soon? Or do you think people are going to hang around for a long time? We're still going to have eight. Well, if you look running? at the polls of, of Republican primary voters, Trump is still massively dominating. And then you've, you know, it's a big gap for second place. Then you got Ron DeSantis. And then right behind him, a close third is Vivek. And then there's just a, you know, a little support for Tim Scott here, a few people who are going for, you know, the former vice president, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, you know, ooh, you know, they got four or 5%, something like that. But ultimately, um, I don't see, I mean, it, things can change, but, um, you know, it really does look like I would, I, I put it at 95% chance that Trump is the nominee. And, you know, I think it's an, at least a 98% chance that Biden's the nominee. So I think it's a redux. And, um, I actually think that it's a slight edge right now for Biden, and I that does me no. Uh, yeah. I, no, no pleasure saying. I'm that. just giving a political pundit like my my prognostication. That's obviously the last thing I want is him to be reelected. And where's where's the edge for Biden right now, in your opinion? Well, I mean, it's just still that like you know, right? Uh, white suburban women just really detest Donald Trump. And so um, they came out in force to to kick him out. Um, will they come out again to make sure he doesn't get in there again? We'll see. I mean, Trump had made inroads with Hispanic voters. 
so far that didn't translate to flipping, you know, additional states. So the suburban women went for Biden in, in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin and gave him the White House. The question is, can Trump win some of them back or get other voters to kind of pull, let's say, bring Georgia back in and maybe flip Arizona with some help of additional Hispanic votes and maybe pick up Nevada or something like that, you know? You got to try to find a way to get a win. This idea that, you know, I've liked Ron DeSantis. I was a big backer. I think he's kind of underperformed, but I, you know, so I'm not trying to say this. I try to be open with my, uh, you know, transparent, what I'm thinking, who I like, all that kind of stuff. We're neutral officially. I'm just saying this, like, you know, not neutral as in we don't care, but we think it's up to the the voters to decide. you're, You're someone who's... You're someone who's followed politics for a long time. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just giving you, I'm just yeah. giving my two cents here. You know, I get to, I get one vote just like everybody else. So, you know, and so when it comes to Trump, you know, um, I thought in the immediate aftermath after the, the midterms, he, you know, got really thumped because a lot of his special candidates did not do well, and Ron DeSantis had done so well. But then he's, I think, Ron DeSantis squandered that moment and that opportunity, waited too long to announce, should have you know, gone with Augusto. And then DeSantis did, a, again, sort of a classic, you know, running for president like it's 1996, where you're going to New Hampshire and Iowa and not engaging with this internet. That's where everyone is. Like, go, come on. You know, yes, go to the Iowa State Fair, but get out there a little bit more online and communicate with people. You know, give speeches and get on, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson's show, do stuff like that. And, you know, Vivek has done that. And his numbers have gone up. So what does that tell you? You know, so, um, it, but this idea that Trump can't win, I dis, I've said that in, in previous Loopcast. I don't believe that. I, I certainly think he can win. He almost won in 2020, despite everything thrown at him. So yeah, I certainly think he can win it again in 2024. But I still give the slight edge just from a analysis standpoint to Biden at this moment. Okay. Any uh, closing remarks on our gut reaction? Let's rip an episode after the debate. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it's we talked internally, you know, like, hey, should we take the loop cast on the road, go to the Reagan Library and watch the second debate and, and give her, and it's like, dude, I had a chance to jump on the airplane and go watch this debate, and I'm glad I didn't. What a waste of time. I'm going to be home with my family sooner. It's just, what's the point? <laughs> You know, was uh was Brian there? Yeah, he went. Brian went to the debate. So. Okay, and he's texted me like, "This is boring." <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I should have rubbed it in, like, "Dude, I told you, man, take my ticket, <laughs> man. I don't want to go." It's just, and yeah. I'm a junkie. I'm a political junkie. Junkie. That's what's there's a term yeah, political right. junkie. It's like you you find politics so exciting, it's almost like it's a drug. I mean, I obviously, you know. Gluttony of any kind is is immoral. I'm teasing myself with the term, of course. <laughs> but even as a junkie, I'm like, this is boring, dude. You guys, you still you're you're running. You know, the biggest mistake any general makes is to fight the war, the last war. You know, you got to think new. Like this, your enemy's thinking differently. You need to be thinking differently. Technology is advanced. You know, communication is advanced. You need to think about this strategy differently and fight differently. And so far, Ron DeSantis hasn't done that, and certainly none of the other guys. I mean, Chris Christie, I mean, at least he's intelligent. I give him that. 
That was what we said. Yeah. He gives you. He actually yeah. gives you a good answer on stuff, uh, and I respect him. But like, yeah, you got no chance. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this one will be a little bit shorter. Obviously, this is a little bit more of a raw format. We're trying to few new things out. Uh, but what I can promise you, though, we will have a longer interview-style episode. I actually got to sit down with both Josh Mercer, star of the Loopcast, and Brian Birch, who's also been in the Loopcast, um, going real deep on how Catholic Boat started, uh, what we're looking at internally here, what we're looking at for the future. So you can keep an eye on that. That's going to come out pretty soon. And then we're also kind of talking about, like Josh kind of mentioned, you know, how do we get on the road? How do we get in person with some really interesting guests? That's all I'm going to say for right now, but we definitely have plans to be in person with some very interesting, influential individuals. And I plan on asking, not pulling any punches and asking questions that uh, actual Catholics would want to know. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. Really appreciate all the support. Uh, best ways you can help right now, reviews, reviews, reviews. Uh, so we got over a hundred on Spotify, which is awesome. Uh, we're now at like 325 on Apple Podcasts. I actually watched them pretty closely. I have been reading them. Um, no one has roasted me too hard for that last Twilight Zone, but um, been very positive. And we, we, just, uh, we really appreciate all support in the community that has kind of been built around this. Um, one thing that I, I always really take to heart is trying to create the best possible product for you, trying to try new things, trying to be innovative. That'll kind of come up in that Catholic Boat episode. Uh, Josh had some good insights on it. Well, and it's just um, like, you know, we're doing this, you know, like we said, post-debate, it's almost midnight, you know. <laughs> this is not yeah. the normal thing that we would do is record an episode at, you know, approaching midnight. Um, and so if this episode's a little bit different, a little bit shorter, hey, look, we're just trying to be open. We're trying to be honest. We try to give you some feedback and share with you our thoughts. And, you know, you've... You welcomed us. Uh, you've been listening to this show, um, you know, and and we're very thankful that uh, we're given this opportunity and that you guys have liked it and have responded to it. And so, um, if we sound a little bit uh, off because it's it's almost midnight, <laughs> guys, say, I'm going to get emotional here talking about all the supporters. Like my midnight thoughts, uh, I've been drinking. I've been just drinking black tea, trying to keep it. I'm going to stay up a little late editing this one, but. Um, if I could just further Josh's sentiment, um, we just had a meeting where we got together and we talked about um, goals and where we were at, what we met. And um, I'm really, uh, I'm continually surprised and really honored that um, we've, this show has grown so substantially. And not only has it grown, but the people that are getting involved that I'm interacting with and talking to are all like a, the exact kind of people that I would want to, you know, hang out with after mass. Yes. Or I'd want to have interesting conversations with about politics and how we solve problems in our community. And um, th just the fact that that has come of all of this, I think is maybe my favorite part and the people that I've gotten to interview and now they're kind of in the circle. And so now we get to collaborate. It's just been like such an opportunity of a lifetime. And, you know, I don't want to sound too like midnight sappy, but um, really. Uh, yeah, no, it's the, an honor. We love honors. it. This is great. I, I feel that yeah, responsibility. It's an honor. Yeah. And we love it. And we love you guys. Um, and so we're going to end this one, uh, St. Thomas More, St. Fidelis, and Our Lady Guadalupe. Pray for us, uh, and I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Talk to you guys next time. See you guys next week, man. <laughs>